You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gators Breakdown, the Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore SCC as we sit here, and we will review this Gators win, come from behind win over Vanderbilt, 37-27 on our reaction episode the day after the game before we break it down remember you can find gators breakdown on news4jacks.com slash gators breakdown there you'll find all the gators breakdown episodes as well as articles from the news for jack sports team that's news4jacks.com slash gators breakdown also catch the podcast on itunes google play youtube spotify and when using those services please share rate and review the show let gator nation know what they're getting with gators breakdown And on social media, follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. Sometimes you just have to win ugly. (laughs) Sometimes not everything's going to go your way and you have to find a way to to win. And that's exactly what happened when Florida has to come from behind to beat Vanderbilt 37-27. Once down 21-3, the Gators rallied for their sixth win of the season. Gators are now 6-1 on the season and tied atop the SEC East going into the bye week before Georgia. This was a gutsy, mentally tough win. That didn't go, that didn't look good early. We go to the first half, and the offense just kept turning the ball over. Could drive the field, uh, but turnovers and execution uh, and uh, a lack of physicality at times on defense. Let Vandy take a 21-3 lead. Uh, defense couldn't get to Shermer, pressure him at all. Only six sacks given up uh, coming in. And uh, look, um uh, yeah Vanderbilt six sacks only given up uh, coming into this game and Florida only had one uh so you know after coming into this game with 20 on the season so that was a worry of mine coming into this game but more because I thought they'd be getting the ball out quick but it was more that the, the Vandy offensive line's pretty pretty good better than what I thought and got away with, with a good bit of holding calls there so uh but their offensive line is a little bit better than I thought you know it wasn't necessarily the quick passing and getting the ball out of Sherman's hands they were just protecting him you know for for the most part there so um Sherman didn't have the pressure on him that we've seen the Gators put on uh the last few quarterbacks in the last few games and it was clear uh the Gators offense uh you know had something going except for the Franks turnovers early into the first quarter, the Gators still held a 132-yard to 97-yard advantage 
uh, over Vanderbilt. Got down 21 to three at one point, as we know, in the second quarter. But there were there were two keys in getting back uh, in this game. The altercation, of course, uh, fired the team up. Um, and then, but with that, we got the dumb blanket ruling of, of personal fouls. And since Sean Joseph already had one, he got tossed. That's a dumb rule that needs to be changed. Uh, you know, just change it to two sole personal foul calls, not one blanket. And, you know, if you already had one, you get thrown out. That's that, that rule needs to be revisited here. Um, the other key, uh, is also, you know, that I think uh, before I moved on to the other one, that, that altercation fired the team up, uh, you know. Yeah, it came out, not totally focused, not totally awake, but after that, uh, it, it woke the Gators up a little bit. And the other key, and part of that, uh, you know, feeding off of that is the, getting back in this game was the touchdown with two and a half minutes left in the first half to shorten the lead 21 to 10. Uh, Vanderbilt, after that, on that drive, Franks went four for five for 52 yards. P. Ryan finished off the drive with a seven-yard run. Florida needed to score right there before halftime, and they did. And then, lo and behold, the defense gets a stop, and the Gators get to add another field goal before halftime. So, uh, you know, that sequence, those last two offensive drives, and that defensive stop could be looked at uh, as a turning point uh, in this game where at halftime it was only 21-13, Vandy, when 21-3 earlier uh, when things weren't looking so good. But, you know, even with that, Florida came out flat in the second half. Uh, It took a fake punt. With 6:55 left in the third quarter uh, for the comeback to to take shape, I think that uh, lit another spark in the team uh, there. Florida was kind of floundering around early in that second half, and uh, that really uh, sparked you know fourth and third, and the Gators on their own 37-yard line trailing 21-13 still. And Tommy Townsend has wide open lane through the middle, ran 18 yards, and it was pretty much on from that point forward. And Townsend said after the game, every week we've been practicing it. I've been anticipating the play call and was mentally prepared all week. I was excited when it was called more than anything. I wasn't scared. It was awesome. It was a fun experience getting to run the ball, but I am glad we got a good team win. And that play definitely helped the Gators uh, get a, get a good team win there. Uh, a few plays after that, Franks finds Van Jefferson for a 38 yard touchdown, 21, 20 Vandy still leads by a point there. And then shout out to the defense for turning it on in the in, in the second half by only giving up 138 yards and only two field goals in the second half after Vanderbilt was able to move the ball well in the first half, uh, scored three touchdowns. Uh, you know that Gator offense, you know, kept kept getting the ball and taking advantage of what the defense was doing in the second half here. So you know the, the touchdown drive, of course, to take the lead was big, an eight play, 95 yard touchdown. To take the lead, the offense drove 95 yards, and it ended with an explosive Jordan Scarlett 48-yard touchdown run. Gators take the lead, never relinquish it, 27-21, Florida at that point. And, uh, you know, go towards the end of the game here, uh, and Vandy had brought it back within a, a touchdown, 34-27. Uh, so what does the Florida offense do when they when they have the ball with 355 left? Well, they put together a three-minute, 18 uh, second drive to put the game away after they add an Evan McPherson field goal to go up by 10, and that would be the final score, 37-27. What a weapon Evan McPherson as a true freshman kicker has been. Uh, pretty pretty much perfect on the season. We know that. Uh, was you know perfect in this game when the Gators absolutely needed it. And uh, he looks to be the uh, next in line as the next Florida Gator kicker. But you know, there was just some key moments there and being able to – to do what you wanted to in the second half or right before halftime, you know, going to going to get scores, all important scores before halftime, 
getting the fake punt, and then driving the ball toward the end of the game when you really needed to uh, to put the game away and the Gators were able to, to ice it there. So, you know, so what does it mean? What does the what does the 37-27 victory mean for the Gators? Well, it matched the largest deficit overcome on a road game in school history. The Gators had lost 26 consecutive games when trailing by 18 or more points. Florida trailed by 18-plus points and won back on September 27, 2003 at Kentucky. Uh, where it trailed that game 21-3 in the fourth quarter. Uh, so the largest deficit overcome in a road game in school history happens right here under Dan Mullen uh, in, in this game. The Gators have beaten four straight SEC opponents for the first time since winning their first four SEC matchups in 2015. And Florida has won 27 of its last 28 meetings against Vanderbilt. And here we go and on the field. As we said, the turnovers really held Florida back. But you look at, you know, if you're going to look at stats here, a season high for the Gators here, 292 yards rushing, 284 yards passing, and a total of 576 offense in an SEC game, almost 600 yards for this Gator offense. You know, go back and saw what they did against a tough defense in LSU last week. You know, I think the the Gators offense is starting to find its way a little bit heading into the bye week. It's ever important bye week, but these last two weeks, uh, seeing what they've been able to do against uh, an opponent that really matches up talent wise and then an opponent that they overmatch talent wise and seeing what they were able to do on offense. They really, really are starting to find their way here. Felipe Franks, career high, 284 yards passing, as I just mentioned there. So the 284 yards passing, a career high for Felipe Franks. So, you know, pretty good there. Uh, didn't didn't necessarily see that coming, uh, but, you know, good 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 for them because the way the Gators were running the ball, um, to also put 284 yards passing with it and for it to be a career high for Franks uh, speaks there. Uh, he also threw for at least two touchdowns for the eighth time in his career. Five of those games have come this season. And look, guys, Frank, he's a much better quarterback. Still inconsistent at times. Yes, you know, I tweeted that yesterday. Uh, something good and something bad. But all in all, uh, a, a much better quarterback. More consistent than he is inconsistent uh, right now. Not by, not by, not by much, but he, he's a better quarterback. I'll even say he's a good quarterback. You know, that, that and, and um, the inconsistent part, you know, it's expected uh, in his first year right now. But he is playing well. Uh, in this offense given to him and doesn't get flustered, bounces back when things go bad, just like the team. Uh, and, and Frank's even said after the game, quote, it's hard. There was one point where someone said that I held my head, my held, held my head down after the fumble. But that is just one of those things that when you're a competitive player, you never want to put your team in a bad position. It just shows the resilience that these guys have around me. We were down at halftime. You always just, you always just have to come back, keep fighting, and play the next play. And uh, good friend Malik Grady there on uh, on Twitter also pointed out, uh, as we mentioned, the career high Felipe Franks had, but also nine different receivers caught balls and Franks' highest yards per attempt ever and added two more touchdowns for the season for 15 on the season. So Felipe Franks is a better quarterback. He's a good quarterback. Not calling him great. Not calling him the next great thing. But then what Dan Mullen's asking him to do, he is a he, he's a pretty good quarterback and what the Gators are, are getting uh, and how he's getting better, I think, game by game. And let's go to the uh, rest of the offense here and, you know, how, how you know, how the, all these stats came about against Vanderbilt and LaMichael Piran, the first Gator since Matt Jones 
to log 200 plus scrimmage yards that's rushing and receiving since uh matt jones against georgia in 2014 everybody remembers that game where uh matt jones and uh, kelvin taylor just ran crazy on georgia so uh, uh michael p ryan first player since matt jones to have 200 uh plus scrimmage yards in rushing and receiving his 121 rushing yards and 93 receiving yards were career highs for him Jordan Scarlett logged his fourth career 100-yard game and his first since rushing for 108 November 19th against LSU in 2016. And the two Gator running backs, P. Ryan and Scarlett, the last time they both rushed for 100-plus yards in the same game was 2016 against Missouri. Now, one key stat I, I do like to look at and where Florida was much better and how they were able to stay on the field and have so many plays they racked up in this game, 12 of 19 on third downs, much better uh, against Vandy uh, than the rest of the season as far as third down offensive conversions go. Let's move to the other side of the ball here on defense. And, hey, look, Florida's 12 third down conversions. Um and never mind, that was for the offense. Yeah, 12, their 12 third-down conversions are tied for the second-highest total since 96. So there we go uh, when Florida went 12 of 19 on, on third downs on offense. But for defense, uh, this third and Grantham thing, and uh, I said it a couple weeks ago, it could pretty much go away uh, uh, as well as the Gators only allowed Vanderbilt to convert three of its 12 third downs, 25% there. Three of 12 Vanderbilt went on third down. So for Florida's last Three opponents, they have combined to convert just nine of 41 third downs. That's only 22%. Mississippi State, LSU, Vanderbilt went nine of 41 on third downs. That's a heck of a stat there. And factoring in fourth downs as well, the Gators' last three opponents are 11 of 46 uh, there. So, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson first interception of the season gave the Gators their 18th takeaway of the season, putting him over their total of last year of 17. So the Gators have one more takeaway this season than they had all of last season. Also, can't forget about Jacob Polite, the first Gator since Derek Harvey to post a sack in five consecutive games. And a lot of people were asking after the game, when did he have a sack? Well, the, the intentional grounding uh, that was called on Kyle Shermer, Jacob Polite forced that intentional grounding. He gets credit for it, sack there. So that gives it to where he's been able to post a sack in five consecutive games. Derek Harvey's streak was actually six games, so we'll see if Jacob Polite can meet that. Uh, his seven sacks this year are the most by a Gator in a season since Dante Fowler finished with uh, the 2014 season with eight and a half sacks. So good for this team for, for combating when everything wasn't going their way. Uh, the coaching, the execution – it was just marred by sloppiness in the first half, but this team kept it together, played better, played cleaner, made some adjustments, and more importantly, just didn't fold when it could have been so easy to do so. You know, this team is mentally stronger than anything we could have hoped for, and you can kind of look at, you know, maybe men mentally stronger uh, kind of weak weakness going into this game, but during the game, being able to you know, find the way to come out and, and and be mentally strong enough to 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 rally to make a comeback, and that's you know that's better than anything we could have hoped for. You know, given where this team was coming in this year, they have faced almost every type of game you can face this year, going on the road when you weren't supposed to win and getting a, a ton of turnovers, going on the road against a, your coach's former team, going against a top five LSU team that you weren't supposed to have much of a chance against, and then. 
uh, this type of game where you get down big and then able to, to, to come back. You know, this Gator team has faced it all uh, in these first few weeks of the season. Uh, and uh, this bye week is, is much needed here uh, for this team. This isn't the same Gators team, and I, and I think that's the key difference here. You know, adversity doesn't overcome this team, and, and what Mullen has done mentally for, for this team is just as important as what they've done physically and, and in coaching. Uh, this team just thinks different, and that's why they were able to come back from a 21 to three deficit, you know, it, it's hard to come back 21 to three in the sec. It doesn't matter who you're playing. And the Gators did just that by outscoring Vanderbilt 34 to six after that 21 to three deficit. So what did Dan Mullen have to say uh, after the game quote, great win, great team win. I think this team is learning a lot of different ways to win games in today's game. We really didn't follow our plan to win. We have won some games following the quote plan to win, Exactly. We have won games making big explosive plays. We've won with a drag out, back and forth brawl. We come in today and don't follow the plan to win. Three of the first four possessions in the red zone net a total of six points. That's 15 points we left out on the board in the first half. Just scoring a touchdown when we get down in the red zone and not doing anything special. We're minus three turnover ratio until the last play of the game. We turn the ball over in bad situations. I don't have the field position chart in front of me, but all the things in following our plan to win, we don't execute, but we find a way. We don't let go of the rope. Don't let go of the rope. Find a way. I don't care if you're getting dragged across the field and it's burning your hands. You don't let go of the rope. You grasp, you hold on, and eventually you get your feet in the ground and you start tugging and pulling back. We did that. Finally started to execute on both sides of the ball and in the kicking game, making plays, and get a win. And there you go. You know, this, this, it, it, that's what Mullen's talking about. There was a plan to win. It wasn't going according to plan, and the Gators still found a way uh, to win this game. And I, I think, you know, looking at uh, things Dan Mullen said there and things the players have said, and after this type of game, this bye week comes at a, at a perfect time for these Gators. You know, collect your thoughts, go get better, uh, go rest a little bit, and get ready for Georgia. But as we do every post-game Gators Breakdown episode, I ask for your your tweets out there and what your thoughts on this game were. So Dominic Morrow says, with the most total yards since Mizzou 2016 and more than Georgia had against Vanderbilt last week, as well as an outlier in the turnover margin, we should be a lot more confident heading into the Georgia game. Go Gators. Uh, the Gator Football Report on Twitter says, outcome I expected in a way – I really didn't expect. <laughs> Good to know this team can come back from being down big, not discouraged at all. Bring on Georgia. Scott Sweat at Scott Sweat 1010. Feeling excited, but not overconfident. So happy with our coaching staff. I think we can beat Georgia, but I'm worried they will be extra focused now after the LSU loss. However, our players should remember the beatdown from last year and come ready to fight. Now, this, these next two weeks are going to be important for Florida and for and for Georgia. How does Florida, you know, I think their eyes will awaken a little bit with this Vanderbilt game and how they performed. And uh, Georgia's going to be ticked off, of course, coming off that LSU win uh, there. But I think uh, what we've seen from this coaching staff so far and these players, they'll be absolutely ready to play uh, in Jacksonville in a couple weeks. Mike Honcho says, remember when it was pretty much impossible for the Gators to score 18 points? let alone being down by 18. <laughs> Yesterday, they punched themselves in the mouth for 30 minutes, but woke up, got up, and played like Gators. And yeah, I, I did see a whole lot of that 
Uh, once Florida was down 21-3, there was uh, a lot of tweets out there. Franks is not the type of quarterback that can bring Florida back. Uh, this is not the type of offense that can bring Florida back. Uh, and, you know, it, it takes a total team effort. And you know, we got something from the, the, the defense to keep giving the ball to the offense. Oh, we had a special teams play. He had Evan McPherson making all his field goals. Uh, so, you know, there was just chipping away, doing the little things because you, I, 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 didn't, I never felt that way Florida couldn't come back because of actually what they were doing when they were turning the ball over and, and, and quote, not playing so well. They were still playing well in areas. They just really needed to, to lock down, concentrate, and, and take care of the ball first and foremost. So that's why I, I never really thought – I still thought Florida was the better team and definitely a way uh, – definitely many ways for them to come back, and they, they, they did uh, just that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Gator Girl, uh, eight, 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 uh, and McQuinn, perennially tough against Vandy. I was impressed with our halftime adjustments to get past an emotionally charged first half, complete with many questionable ref calls for the comeback win. Mullins got these guys buying into the one team, one heartbeat mentality. Absolutely. And that's why I think we can feel uh, confident for the rest of the season as well. Jesse Hayes says, without turnovers, I think Florida wins 40 something to 14. In the McElwain era, this would have been a loss. This team has a no-quit attitude and kept fighting. They don't don't let go of the rope. Great comeback. Offense played great besides turnovers and defense. Had a great second half. Uh, Chris Nisi uh, started rough, hurt themselves early. Coach argument uh, woke them up because of the early start. Still had them sleeping. Finished the game strong. Defense adjusted, but also helped by Vaughn injury. Franks played better than he's getting credit for because of the bad interception early. Dean had best game yet. Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting about Vaughn going down Vanderbilt's you know, uh, running back that really kind of torched Florida uh, all along that first half. Um, it'd be, it's hard to tell <laughs> what would happen once the player goes out and if he'd have been, been able to make much of a difference with the way Florida uh, adjusted and played better in the second half. But uh, you know, going by what we saw, he was definitely a weapon for this Vanderbilt team. And uh, he's a pretty good, pretty good looking running back there that Vanderbilt has a transfer from Illinois, I believe. Uh, Jason Sauls says, disappointed and impressed. I am disappointed in the fact that we gave up multiple big plays and long drives, but at the same time, I'm extremely impressed. Uh, how they got hit in the face, never back down. Last year's team would have folded, but not this team and coaching staff. So, yeah, common theme there, uh, being proud of the way this team come back and won. Uh, yeah, and I think we can be a little disappointed with what we saw uh, as well, especially in that first half. You know, not only did Florida turn the ball over, but the defense was not the same defense that we have seen uh, these last few weeks, as I mentioned. Couldn't get to Shermer. Uh, a lot really Vanderbilt's offensive line kind of controlled the first half in the pass game and the run game. There were a lot of big lanes there, um, even on the uh, the uh, screen pass that they took for a, a long touchdown there. You know, it wasn't really over aggressiveness by numbers per se, but over aggressiveness and just the mentality they were playing with, uh, and you know, over overran overran their uh, a, a couple of players overran that pass and um, that running back Vaughn there just took off there. Uh, so you know, good call by Vandy there. Uh, but it's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, Zachary Garner, uh, the close win brings back memories of Mac's first two years until you see the stats and the box score. We're improving week to week and getting confidence through adversity. The bye week should get should help us get rested and right for the Eastern Showdown with Georgia. And the last one here from the Gator Good. First half was extreme disappointment and almost disgust for the way they seem to want to give the victory to Vanderbilt. At halftime, told my son, if we can see resiliency and effort 
in the second half. I'll be more proud and happy than if we won in a blowout and our boys are on fire. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, a way to look at it. You know, a way, as, as I mentioned, all the ways Florida has won games this year, this is just another way they have won a game. And, uh, you know, it's kind of proven that uh, they're a pretty good team. They can go out there and play with anybody. Um, they can also not play so well and still get a victory. Now, you, of course, you don't want to play like this a whole lot, and you can't play like this a whole lot with the schedule coming up uh, there where it, it gets tough these next three games, I think, with, uh, I think, Georgia, South Carolina, Missouri are all probably a little better than Vanderbilt. So you can't you can't play that game again uh, and, and expect to win. Uh, but good for proving that you can win uh, in a road, tough SEC game and coming out with a victory there. So, whew, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I was up in Georgia watching the, with the game with my friends and stuff. So, of course, hung around and, and uh, watched the Georgia LSU game with them. So uh, it was – they were not so happy. Uh, but let's look at the rest of the SEC and what happened in the SEC on the uh, week seven. Man, season's flying by. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Here we go. Tennessee upsets Auburn 30 to 24. Auburn started kind of kind of good here, and then Tennessee just stormed back and really controlled the game in the second half there. And uh, Jeremy Pruitt gets his first SEC win as Tennessee beat Auburn 30 to 24. Georgia, as I mentioned, routed by LSU. The team Florida beat last week. 36 to 16 LSU over Georgia. Uh wasn't really much of a game, honestly. Uh Georgia ran the ball well in the first half. Uh didn't really stick with it all too much. And then uh uh LSU second quarter and fourth quarters 13 to 17 points apiece in there. Uh so uh you know this is uh a team that we played last week and then our uh, our next opponent. So Florida fans had a lot of interest in this game. Uh, you know, you know, watching uh the way Georgia played our next opponent. So it'd be interesting to see how Georgia bounces back from this. Of course, they'll be ticked off. There's a bye week in between. Uh so I'm sure, you know, Florida's not happy with the way they played against Vanderbilt either. So game in Jacksonville, even though Georgia lost, sets up, you know, for uh along with Kentucky there to to uh get a lead in the SEC East. 26-23 A&M. Texas A&M beat South Carolina. Um, A&M jumped out pretty big, 13-0, and then South Carolina 16 points in the third quarter uh, there to tie the game up uh, late. And in the fourth quarter, A&M wins by three. Um, kind of surprised South Carolina bounced back the way they did. Uh, once A&M got, got up pretty big, just kind of thought they would just run away with it uh, there. But uh, South Carolina still has yet to beat A&M since, they, since A&M has joined the conference, I think, uh, or – I know recently uh, they haven't, so I have to go back and look there. Alabama 39 to 10 over Missouri. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa hurt in that game, probably not too serious. Uh, 39 to 10, Alabama over Missouri. And then a comeback win. Ole Miss beats Arkansas in late game here. Ole Miss scored 13 points in the fourth quarter while Arkansas scored none. And Ole Miss wins that game 37 to 33. And then Miami lost to Virginia uh, as well. So, no, so uh, Georgia and um, Miami lose to Florida's biggest rivals here. But here we go. Gators with a 10-point victory over Vanderbilt, heading into the bye week, 6-1. and one. Bowl eligible Gators, by the way. So there we go. Only four wins last year. Couldn't make it to a bowl game in uh, Dan Bowman's first year. Uh, 
the Gators are well on their way there. So uh, later this week, of course, uh, next episode, Will Miles will join me. You can go to readreaction.com, get his thoughts, read his review article of the Florida Vanderbilt game. And later in, later later on in the week, we'll also have the, uh, the next Gator panel. Uh, a lot of names out there uh, for that, of course. Uncle Silk from the Big Three Bowl Up uh, helps me there with this. Uh, we'll have Thomas Goldcamp from Swamp 24-7, Tate Casey from the Gator Radio Network and former player as well, uh, and everybody from the last uh, go-around to Nick De La Torre, Zach Alberti, Dan Thompson. Uh, should be a good, fun time there uh, as the next Gator panelists will kind of take a look back at this first half of the Gator season here. Uh, during the bye week. So, you know, everybody will kind of be doing something different than there with the bye week coming up. No game for the Gators next week, of course. So Gator panel should be fun uh, later on this week. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore S-E-C. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>